0: Bibles this evening to First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter number four. Having recently preached from First Timothy four and verse number ten about the living God, I want you to consider the context that's always important in any Bible study. Uh, I, I, I want you to consider it because I want you to see what we're up against and the great need for us to trust in God. You know, it's one thing to just lift one verse uh, out of the chapter that speaks about trusting God. But when we look at the whole of the chapter, then it becomes perfectly clear why this is so very important. This chapter speaks about the latter times, and we'll get to that a little bit later on. And it describes in part what the latter times will be like, so we know what we can expect. Beginning in verse number one, let's read the first three or four verses, and then I'll comment. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving." for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Beginning in the first verse here, we see our attention called to the truth spoken. Notice the opening words of this verse. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That's important that we understand that because what we know about the difficulties and the dangers of which Paul is going to speak in this chapter is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. So it's not guesswork. Paul says the Spirit speaketh, and sadly a lot of folks have misunderstood that. They've misunderstood the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's a subject for another day, but for now I'll just say this. While the Spirit of God spoke directly to Paul as he is recording the Scriptures, just like he did to all of the other authors of the Scripture. He speaks to us through the Scriptures. I mention that because I want to warn you not to be deceived by those that are always talking about the Holy Spirit talking to them. The Holy Spirit said, do this, and the Holy Spirit said, do that. There are no apostles and there are no prophets today Nothing is being added to the Word of God. If you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. The Bible is the sword of what? The Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So when God speaks to us today, He speaks, you know, directly through His Word. In ancient times, back in the Old Testament, the prophets there received revelations from God. And uh, they didn't have to study for a message like we preachers do today. They spoke under divine inspiration. Sometimes they did not even actually understand the message itself. And they admit to that. They didn't know what it meant. They just knew this is what God said to give to the people. And that is what is recorded there. So the Spirit of God... Is, is the author of the Bible, all of the Bible, and, and Paul is assuring us that his information is coming from God. It's not something that he just conjured up in his mind. It's not something that he received from somebody else, not something handed down by tradition, but there was a direct message from God to Paul, and Paul wrote this down in this letter to Timothy. Now, that's the truth that is being spoken, revealed by the Holy Spirit. But notice the time element in this also in verse number one. He says here, the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times. That's another controversial phrase. A lot of people have tried to make a big issue out of that and exactly what that means. And a lot of folks have misunderstood that. The fact of the matter is we've been living in the last days ever since Christ came to earth. So from that time on down until the time that he comes back, that entire period can be referred to as the latter times of the last days, this entire period, age that we live in. Now, naturally, during this time, there are changes that take place, and as the age wears on, Things get progressively worse and worse. In fact, Paul tells Timothy that he said, "Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse." And whenever Paul really gets into describing what happens during that period of time, and I'm not going to uh, read all of it, but if you if you go on over to chapter numbers uh, chapter number six uh, chapter three of Second Timothy. Where he talks about in the last. Notice this. In the last days perilous times shall come. Men's going to be lovers of their own selves. Covetous boasters proud blasphemers. And he goes on and on and on. Now when you look at that list. All of those things have always existed. You know you can trace that back through the Old Testament. So what in the world is he talking about. Whenever he gives a list of all of these different sins. That will be characteristic of this age. He's letting us know that these things are progressively going to get worse and worse than they've ever been before. So that's what we can expect. Sometimes, you know, we get to thinking, well, if we just get the right people in office or if we have, you know, a big revival meeting or something that all of a sudden we're going to turn the tide and the world's going to change. No, it's not going to change until Jesus comes and Jesus sits on the throne and Jesus rules and reigns. It's not going to change until then. We've got a lot of work to do, by the way, and we can make our little part of the world a better place to live in, but we're not going to change the general characteristics of the world that we live in. So this is the time that he's speaking of, and I mention that because this refers as much to us as it did to Timothy. So it wasn't just a message for Timothy at that particular time. It's also a message to us. So we see then the time element notice he speaks also about the trouble he says some shall depart from the faith whenever i look at that i think to myself thank god he doesn't say all he didn't say all shall depart from the faith that means that we can rest assured there will always be some who avoid apostasy and that's what this is all about departing falling away from the faith that the word for that is apostasy and there will be those that avoid that the faithful few that have not forsaken the fundamentals of the faith that's encouraging because it tells us that god's always going to have a remnant of people even during the horrible terrible seven-year period of tribulation that occurs after the rapture Even during that time, there is going to be a small remnant of people that are going to know the Lord and are actually going to evangelize others during that period of time. So the trouble has to do with, notice here, they depart from the faith. The faith. Notice, he didn't say they depart from faith. They depart from the faith. Whenever you see that phrase the faith that speaks about the body of truth that we believe it speaks about the word of god so it's speaking about the body of truth not our trust it speaks about our creed not our confidence he's talking here about uh, about uh, our uh, our our belief system and what we base that upon he's not talking here about a failure to believe But rather, he's talking about falling away from our beliefs. Whenever we think about what's going on in the world today, and especially in America where we think about there being so many churches, we think about there being so many preachers. Turn the radio on, the TV on, uh, you know, wherever you go. there, There are those that supposedly are promoting Christianity. And you would think that, you know, after all of these years, by this time, we would have evangelized the entire nation, and that hasn't happened. We know it's far worse today than it was when I was a boy. One of the reasons is that a lot of the preaching today is associated with Christianity, but it's not about the major doctrines of the Bible. There's a big difference, folks. I have a quote uh, that I just happened to run across it again the other day and I was looking at it. and it was a quote from uh, Muhammad. and you would read that and you would think, wow, boy, that sounds like something comes straight out of the Bible. But yet the author of it was Muhammad himself. You, you see, you could you can put together certain phrases, out of every religion or every denomination that sounds good. It uses religious jargon, in other words. There are those that are cults that are so far out there that it couldn't be possible for them to truly be saved, and yet they would tell you they've been born again. They use the phrase right out of the Bible, Oh yeah, well, we've been born again just like you have. But they don't have a clue as to what it's all about, you see. So some preaching might be enjoyable. Some of it might be entertaining. Some of it might even be educational. But it's not edifying if it misses what matters most. I've been working on the message entitled, well, the original title was Roots and Roses. And I decided to change it to Roots and Redwoods. And anyway, in the next month or two, I might preach that. But it stresses the importance of, of Bible doctrine. And that's a word, you know, a lot of people don't even want to hear. They think about, well, I'm not in Bible college or I'm not in the seminary and I, I don't want, want to study all of this theology and stuff like that. Really, that's the science of God, Amen. folks. And I'm telling you, at at the very basis of our beliefs, there has to be that root system, the major fundamental cardinal doctrines of the Word of God. And if they're missing, it's just a matter of time until after a while we fall away from the truth. This is dangerous. For one thing, whenever the, the faith is deserted, Faith itself will diminish, and that's a disaster. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so if I desert the Word of God, fall away from the basic fundamental beliefs of God's Word, my faith itself, my confidence is going to suffer. And I say that because our faith is based on what? Our faith is based upon our trust in God's promises. It's based upon our trust in God's Word. And if we don't understand what God's Word uh, says, what it teaches, what it means, then our faith is going to be affected by that, you see. So you can see whenever I say this is speaking about the trouble, I mean, this is big trouble, the worst kind of trouble, when people depart from the faith. Now notice verse number 1, the last part of it. We see here the teachers. Uh, th- this has to do with those that are responsible for this. Notice he says, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Notice who they are first. He says, seducing spirits. That tells me that this departure is caused by deception. Seducing. Seducing spirits. You realize we're in a spiritual warfare Uh, That's exactly what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6. We are in a spiritual warfare, and although we don't see them, we don't see what is happening right now, these spiritual beings are real. They're just as real as this puppet of wood, just as real as this building, just as real as the automobiles in the parking lot. They're real. You can't touch them. You can't see them. You can't feel them. But they are real, and they are exerting influence, bad influence, by the way. So what we what we see happening is the result of what we can't see. Because there's a spirit world influencing people. What we would never know about concerning these spirits we learn from the word of God we never know anything about that if God didn't tell us about these spirits if he didn't tell us about you know the the demons we wouldn't know anything about that at all but he does tell us over in second Corinthians chapter number 11 is a is a perfect example of what I'm talking about second Corinthians chapter 11 and beginning in verse number 13 Paul says to the church at Corinth For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now get this, and no marvel, don't be shocked, don't be surprised, no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. You see, that explains what's going on in the world today. That is a a picture of the spirit world and the activity and these teachers. Now, that's who they are. But notice what they teach here in the last part of verse 1, where he says, doctrines of devils... And then he goes on in verse 2 and verse number 3, giving us some examples of what he's talking about. But when he says doctrines of devils, he does not mean the doctrine of demons. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying they teach the doctrine of demons, but rather the doctrines of demons. In other words, he's talking about that which is declared by the demons teachings that come from the demons and in verse 2 and 3 he he, he describes for us what some of these are now n- naturally you know this isn't all they do but what Paul mentions here is enough to serve as an illustration of his point because what he mentions relates to the problems that existed in Corinth at that particular time these are issues the church was dealing with so he mentions them But he could have mentioned a lot of other things. And to deal with everything done by these seducing spirits, we'd have to study the entire Bible to get a picture of that. That's not Paul's purpose there. He's just trying to get them to understand that the problems that exist in the church, what you see going on is the result of seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And it's, un- it's important that you and I understand this because it enables us to see why people fall, and that helps us not to fail. When we, when we understand the reason, sometimes we, we see a person that just all of a sudden spiritually goes haywire, and we wonder to ourselves, what in the world happened to that person? You know, we say, well, I just I can't, I can't believe they did that. I, I don't understand that. Well, this helps us to understand that. It, it enables us to see that there are those that are blinded by Satan. That's what the Bible says in Second in Corinthians chapter number 4, talking about the unsaved, that the God of this world hath blinded their minds, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. So these doctrines of devils, comes through human teachers but it is the seducing spirits in other words it's the demonic forces working in them and boy whenever we think about this day, when so few people are really serious about bible study the devil is having a field day it seems like he is able to sell people on almost anything and that's exactly what happens without a knowledge of god's word we become easy prey for him our protection is the word of god without that remember as we think about ancient israel and paul again warning the warning the church there at corinth and he tells them take heed you know if you don't think you can fall you better take heed lest you fall we think, well, this could never happen to me. You know, I, you know I, I, I'm, I'm smarter than that. I, I would never embrace some silly far-out doctrine of certain cults and what have you. And uh, you'd be surprised what you might believe under the delusion of these spirits using false teachers to convince you that you're wrong. Now... When we come down to verse 6, on through the remainder of the chapter, this entire section here is the test. This is the test. We know what the trouble is and the time element and all of those things, but here we see the test. And I don't have time to read all of these verses, and certainly we don't have time to study everything, but, but surely we'll be able to just understand what's going on. Notice how verse number 6 begins It starts with the little word, if. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. If. You know, while we might know what we ought to know, we do not always know what people will do. That's a big if question. We know what we ought to know, but we don't know what other people are going to do. I've had so many shocking experiences over the years of people that that grew up in this church, and now they're way out there in left field. Even uh, I said I, I I want to be careful because I know this is going out on a broadcast, and I'm certainly not going to call names or anything, But I mean, we've got ex-members that grew up in the church telling people that what I'm preaching is going to cause people to go to hell. Huh? That's so amazing for me to get up and to preach that salvation is by grace through faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by works and so forth. Because they've embraced an entirely different belief system other than that we can't predict what somebody else might do and so here here Paul is telling Timothy now hang on to this he's telling Timothy what it takes quote to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Now remember, he's talking to him about the times in which he lived, and the troubles sometimes, the difficulties, the dangers, and all of these things, in, in being involved in the spiritual warfare. And Timothy, if you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, this is what it's going to take. And that's why this section has to do with the test. We all ought to be concerned about being faithful servants of the Lord. Sometimes we don't measure up to that standard, do we? And that makes these verses all of the more important. And I don't think anything tells us more about ourselves than than trials. That's when God really puts us to the test. And I say God because God allows those things. We wouldn't know if our faith was real or not. We wouldn't know if you could really trust it were it not for the fact that God allows trials to come into our life think about it i mean if we could just uh, if we could understand everything we all got those why questions don't we well why does god allow this why does god allow that if you knew all of those answers there wouldn't be any such thing as faith we we don't have all of those answers we don't understand all of those things we can't control the things that happen to us and the things that happen around us but we can very much control our response to those things and how we respond reveals who we really are the the, the trials expose our true condition what we really are but they do even more than that they also enable us to display to others The difference that Christ can make in a person's life. So many times we might think that nobody's watching me. Nobody's paying any attention to me. My neighbors don't. My relatives don't. They know I'm a Christian. They know I go to church at least occasionally. But they're not paying that much attention. You'd be surprised. They live with one eye on you. You're in the spotlight all of the time. And this is important because our mission is what? As I talked about this morning, our mission is to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and if we expect to reach them, they've got to see the difference that Christ makes in our life. If we lose that difference, our distinction, you know, somebody, somebody said, you know, that uh, church is getting so worldly and the world is getting so churchy, you can't tell the difference. A lot of truth in that statement that pretty well describes the times that we live in today but because this is so very important we dare not be distracted whether we're distracted by problems like these problems that paul is dealing with there it's real easy you know to keep your focus when everything's going good but all of a sudden when everything's going bad If we're not careful, we can get distracted from what we should be doing. Sometimes, though, it's not problems. Sometimes it's pleasure that distracts us. But because God called us to do something that is so very important, we dare not fail. And that's why we have to take every possible measure to not get sidetracked and to do whatever's necessary to ensure success. And that's why Paul is saying what he does here to Timothy. There's no room for error. If you're going to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, look, you're under the gun. You're going through this test, and this is what it's going to take. Now, that brings us down to the details concerning what we can expect when it comes to the test that we go through. And before we look at it, I want you to look at the last verse first, and I have a good reason for doing that. Look at the very last verse. He says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, and continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. I want to look at this because this is something that a lot of folks have misunderstood. These words, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. To understand that statement or any other statement, any other verse in all of the Bible, we have to start with what we know instead of worrying about what we don't know. Some people get so hung up on certain verses of the Bible and they can't figure it out. They don't understand it. Well, welcome to Bible study. I'll tell you right now, regardless of how long you study the Bible, there's always going to be certain verses and certain things about God that you will never understand in this life. There will be other things that you will not understand perhaps for years to come before all of a sudden it's like a light comes on and the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of that particular statement. So there are a lot of things that we don't know. And to unravel those mysteries, we have to start with what we do know. Now, what we do know here is that Paul is not talking about being saved by works. As I said, we're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So, Paul's not talking about the subject of redemption. And we could go on and on and on with different verses affirming that fact that our works do not save us. The word save simply means deliver, it's used of deliverance throughout the Bible, in regards to things other than our spiritual salvation. In this case, Paul is talking about deliverance from this evil that he's been speaking about. What is is that evil? It's apostasy. It's falling away from the truth of God's Word, the doctrines of God's Word. Now, that, of course, could lead to the spiritual salvation of others. But whenever he says you can save yourself, look, folks, there's no way in the world we can save ourselves regardless of how hard we try. If we could save ourselves, there'd be no need for Jesus to have died on the cross. All of that would have been a horrible waste, a terrible injustice. The fact is we can't save ourselves. Every person is in danger of being deceived by demonic forces working through false teachers to some degree or another. And that's that's a danger from which people need deliverance. And the greatest threat to the church is within. It's not from without. This, This community, this neighborhood will never be able to destroy this church. If this church is ever destroyed, it will be from within its own membership. There will be those that are unsaved, those that are false teachers that will come along and lead people away from the fundamental doctrines of the Word of God. Sitting there this afternoon and thinking about the message, my mind went back over time and I, and I thought of church after church that I've seen destroyed as, as a result of, of failure in this regard, churches that at one time, you know, they were on fire for the Lord and supporting a lot of missionaries and really, I mean, really doing things right. And then years pass by and gradually, slowly but surely, they begin to fall away from the truths of God's Word. And finally, it implodes, it, 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 it collapses as a result. Of the influence within. So this letter is Paul's expression of concern for the church at Ephesus. And remember, Timothy, who was so very special to Paul, is the pastor of the church at Ephesus. I wish I had time to, to really give you some more insight about that particular church I mean it was a church that at one time boy they had their act together they were doing great they were orthodox in their doctrine Uh, they had a lot of good works and by the time John writes to them over in Revelation the Lord mentioned some of the good characteristics about them but he says but I have somewhat against thee you got a real problem, and if you don't fix it, I'm going to move out. I'm going to move the candlestick. I'm taking my spirit out of this church. And the problem was they had left their first love, you see. That doesn't happen overnight. That happens slowly but surely over a period of time. So Paul is expressing to Timothy the greatness of his concern for, for Timothy as an individual and for this church can you imagine what a thrill it must have been when Timothy came into possession of this letter, knowing that he's got this letter from Paul that is that, it, that was delivered and given by the Spirit of God. So it's, it's like God speaking directly to him. I think about the excitement that Timothy must have had whenever he stood the first time before that church and said, folks, we got a special treat today. I've just received a letter from God, a letter that Paul wrote, and it's in my possession, and I'm going to read that this Sunday morning. Boy, you better believe all of their ears would have perked up. They would have all been excited, and Timothy, no doubt as the pastor, would have been so greatly encouraged. So in this section... Remember, Paul is showing Timothy what it takes, as he says, to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Notice, Andy tells Timothy to put the brethren in remembrance of these things. In other words, I want you to relay what you've received. This isn't just for your personal edification. It's not something that I want you to keep to yourself and go around bragging about how much you know about the Word of God, I want you to relay this information onto the other members of the church. So, now with that in mind, let's uh, just quickly look at some of the things that we have to do if we're going to reach our goal. In other words, if we're going to avoid the dangers, if we're going to communicate the truth to others, if we're going to win others to Christ, and these aren't my ideas, these are instructions that are from God. If we really studied these verses, it would take several hours, but we're just going to look at them quickly, and it's important that you understand and see what Paul is saying to Timothy. And remember, it starts with that little word, if. And now... We're about to see the what. We see it starts with if, if, and now we see the what. This is, if we're going to fulfill our duty, this is what we must do. Verse number six, and you can just follow along and read it for yourself, and it becomes obvious. Number one, we have to relay what we have received. That's what he's talking about. Put the brethren in remembrance of these things. You see, we're to be servants as well as students. Every Christian ought to be a student of the word of God. But we've got to be more than students. I mean, it's more to Christianity than just filling your head with knowledge, you know, and you file it up there in, in this file cabinet and what have you, and you acquire all of this knowledge. It doesn't make any difference at all if we don't put it into practice. God expects us to use what we know to do His will. And a part of that is for us to share what we know with others, the things that we've just learned ourselves. So secondly, notice in verse number 7 now, in the first part of verse 7, he says, Refuse profane and old wives' fables. Refuse things that aren't helpful. Now, no doubt Paul could have mentioned a hundred different things, but the point is that we must not get distracted. Refuse these things that are not Helpful. And keep in mind again, as I said, Paul is dealing with issues that were, were current, issues that were taking place in the church there. And he's telling him, don't you dare be distracted by these profane and old wives' fables. You know, sometimes the most dangerous thing is that which is good instead of that which is evil. We can get distracted. You see, we get distracted from the main thing because we're focused on secondary things. And as as I said this morning, that's why sinless things can become sinful. So number one, he says, relay what you've received. Number two, refuse things that are not helpful. Now notice he says that we must regard godliness above all else. Look at the last part of verse 7. And exercise thyself rather than unto godliness now he stays on this theme on down through verse 11 so let's just read that so you'll get the whole picture for bodily exercise profiteth a little He didn't say it doesn't do any good that's not the point if you're looking for you know uh, an excuse to not exercise like i do uh, you're not going to find it here he just says it profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptations. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. These things command and teach. So he's telling him that the important thing is godliness. The important thing is not exercise The important thing is not church activities. The important thing is godliness. Do not be led away from that. Keep your focus on that. Verse 12 now. Number four, he tells Timothy, if he's going to fulfill his calling, show himself as a good minister of Jesus Christ, he must reflect Christ. This is one of my favorite verses Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Notice, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I've preached an entire series just on that one verse, and you can see why. Because here he's telling us that if we're going to succeed in reaching other people, they must see Christ in us. So many times, you know, we sing, I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. That's okay. But it's even better to show them that you're a Christian. To put it in shoe leather, to demonstrate what it is. And that's what he's talking about, being an example here. And notice the areas in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, and in faith, and and in purity. Verse 13, he tells us not only that but that we must ready ourselves. Verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now, we're not going to talk about the details that are mentioned there, but it's obvious he's telling us that we have to make ourselves ready, be prepared, and he tells us how we do that in reading, in exhortation, in doctrine. When we neglect those things, it puts us in peril. Because, as I said earlier, we can't change and we can't control most things, but we can do something about ourselves. And we need the discipline that it takes to to make ourselves ready for the work God's called us to do. Verse 14, he tells us that we must remain faithful. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So here, we're to remain faithful. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. You know, some things are so very important that we must not neglect those things because it will result in the ruination of our lives. Number 7, verse 15, he tells us that we need to review these things and resolve to obey. Verse 15, meditate upon these things and notice give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all review these things meditate upon them you know you could sit down with the finest steak in all of houston and Bo i mean you could eat that steak and chew it up and you could taste it but if you spit it out without swallowing it without digesting it it'll have no benefit to you whatsoever, you see. We have to digest that which we've eaten. And the word meditation is so important because sometimes we get the idea that if I just read through the Bible, that's all that's important. When I first got saved, I got on a Bible reading program like a lot of people, you know, read through the Bible in a year. Boy, I found myself, you know, trying to save time and just reading as fast as I could. So I could say I read my section for the day. And after a while, I realized this isn't doing me one bit of good. I'd rather take one verse and just pick it apart and look at it and and meditate upon it. That's a whole lot more valuable than it is to just read an entire book of the Bible. So he says, meditate upon these things. I've often said, you know, in light of the condition of our world today, uh, two things I think would help a lot of people. Uh, medical equipment. That's a rocking chair and a porch swing. You just sit out there, you know, and you fellas sit out there in a rocking chair whittling on a stick. You might be amazed how good that would be for your spiritual life. Meditate upon these things. Lastly, verse 16 We already talked about it, but we can sum it up by saying he's telling us here, we need to reach others. Take heed unto thyself, indeed, and unto doctrine. Notice, continuing them for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. If we're going to be helpful to others, we have to take heed unto ourselves you you know and i thought about this quite a bit before the service ever started it might seem boring to you to close a message like this with a with a to-do list but boy it becomes a blessing you know if we do these things that are on that list and so here is a list of eight things that are necessary if you and I are going to show ourselves to be good ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important you do that. Because somebody's salvation might very well depend on what they see in you. Be thou an example of the believer. I'm so glad that in my Christian life I've I've had those men and women who were good examples. I think about the first church that I pastored in and some of, some of those little old women, I mean, some of them look like they're 100 years old. But I'll tell you, they were so very faithful. And, uh, boy, I, I'll never forget seeing them. They walked to church. They lived there in that little town, population of 200. And, and uh, they lived there. They walked to church, rain or shine, if it was raining, here they would come. Alice Proctor and Mrs. Johnson, and one from this direction and one from that direction. Boy, whenever you see that kind of faithfulness in God's people, and and, and, and it seemed like with Alice especially that she just felt like she had a mission. Her husband couldn't come to church, but I'll never forget, his, he physically couldn't, and visit him with him. His name was Gay Proctor. And I'd go visit with him. And both of them, it's like they was on a mission to say something to encourage me. And and boy, they did. But to have those good examples in your life is so very important. And it's important to unsave people that they might see Christ in you. May we rise up to that challenge and be examples of the believers. Amen. We're not going to change the times in which we live. This, is, Hey, God put us here for this time we've come into the kingdom, as it were. Let us accept that challenge. Let's bow in prayer. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for the information that leads to inspiration, that helps us to become the kind of people that you'd have us to be. We're so thankful, Lord, for those that have accepted the challenge and they've lived out the Christian life in such a way that it was obvious that, that, that they were filled with the Spirit, that they loved the Lord. And just their example has been such a great encouragement. We thank you for those members of this church that are so faithful week after week in spite of their physical problems and difficulties. They're here, and they're faithful, and we thank you for them. And, Lord, I just pray you help all of us to be the kind of an example to others that we ought to be, that they'll see Jesus living in and through us. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Let's all stand. behind. much for being here and being faithful any last word before we dismiss any announcements we need to make don't forget the sign-up sheet out there for the fall festival get your john henry on there if you want to if you want to help in any way all minds clear you sure